series today entitled, Which Way? And we've been talking about how in life, we kind of tend to think about life this way. We think in terms of isolated individual decisions or, or words or the way we spend our money or the way we click here or uh, do this here. And we tend to think individual isolated things. But the reality is when we look at the book of Proverbs, this book of wisdom, that it will often tell us, no, 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 no. Every decision you make leads to a destiny. Every practice you participate in, it puts you on a path. And, and we want to see, how do we walk on a path of wisdom? Because Proverbs would tell us there's only two paths. There's wisdom and there's folly. There's life and then there's death. And so we want to walk on a path of wisdom. And so we've talked about how to do that with our, our family life, how to do that with our finances, how to do that with our plans. And today we're talking about how to do that with our words. I remember for me, a few years into marriage, there were three words that drastically changed my life forever. And there were these three words. It's a girl, right? When my wife and I found out we were having our first child and the doctor comes in and says, it's a girl, drastically changed my life forever. That little girl is 12 years old now. Pray for me, right? But I just remember vividly to this day, I remember being in the doctor's office. He comes in, says, it's a girl. And then he left for us to kind of celebrate and talk with one another. So my wife is like halfway crying, halfway laughing. She's excited. She's like, babe, what do you think? And I just remember she grabbed me by the wrist and she's like, what do you think? And I just remember being frozen in fear. And I just saw my little baby girl's whole life flash before my eyes. Things like prom and dating and social media, which I didn't even realize how that was going to be a thing in my life when my daughter turned 12. But it all just started to flash before my eyes. And I remember my wife just saying, babe, we got a long time before those things. She's not even here yet. Like, we, we're going to figure this out together. And, and all I could really say was, but babe, here's what I know I need to do. Work out more. <laughs> I, I don't know anything else, but I'm going to start lifting the weights. Right? And those three words, simple, yet profound. Right? And so many of you, you've had times in your life where people have said things to you that uplifted you, that are the reason why you're in your career now, that are the reason why you're married to your spouse now. And you've experienced life because of words, and they've changed your life. Just simple words spoken. But then I also know many of you, you've had words spoken to you and over you that you remember that are words of death. Hey, you'll never amount to anything. Who do you think you are? You're not cut out for this position. Hey, you applied for this college, declined. You tried out for this team, Nope, didn't make it. You asked this girl to marry you, one word, no. And it crushed you, right? And so words, Proverbs is going to tell us words have the power of death or life. And so which path are you on with your words? Which way are you going to go with your words? They matter. Here, here's the alternative that's not an alternative today. That may, well, I just, I just kind of speak my mind. I'm just an extroverted person. I mean, I say things, but I don't always mean it. I type things, but they're just on social media. It's not that big of a deal. And Proverbs is going to say, no, no, no. It's death or life. It's death or life. Which way are you going with your words? Some of you this morning, you spoke death 
with your words. Listen, confession, pastoral confession. Let's just, we get real at Phoenix Bible Church. Is that okay with you? This morning, I spoke death with my words as I'm preaching a sermon on words, right? I was talking to my wife after she didn't answer my phone call the first time. And when I actually got to talk with her, I called my 12-year-old daughter because she has a phone. My whole life flashed before my eyes, and it's true. She has a phone. And I called my daughter because I couldn't get a hold of my wife. And when I spoke with my wife, I said, yeah, I had to call Neela because uh, your phone is pointless because you don't answer it. Yeah, that's how my morning went. Everybody take a deep breath, right? And so I had to use my words then to apologize to my wife. Say, I'm sorry, babe, I I shouldn't have said that, right? So all of us use our words, they're significant. How are we gonna use them, death or life, wisdom or folly? That's where we're headed today. And so here's our, our first point. If you take notes, our first point is this, is that words may be quick, but their impact is long lasting. Words may be quick, but their impact is long lasting. Here's the reality, this is scary. I read a study that said we speak about 16,000 words a day. That's about 5.8 million words a year. And that's not counting the words we type, text, or post, which count, by the way. We speak a lot of words. I, as a preacher, speak a lot of words. I, as a verbal processor, right? Two, double whammy for me. A lot of chances to screw this thing up. It's a bit scary when you start thinking about all the words that we speak, all the words that you type, and you don't really give much thought to. It's a bit scary to think about the impact of our words. And here's the reality. They have a lasting impact on everything and everyone. We talk about it all the time in premarital counseling. My wife and I just finished a premarital counseling session. The couple's getting married this summer. And the premarital curriculum we go through, it talks about conflict, communication, in-laws, finances, sex. And what we say is, every time to that couple, hey, there's only one chapter on communication, but the reality is this whole book is on communication. Because you know why people have problems in their finances? Because they don't know how to talk about them with their words. You know why people don't have a great sex life? because they don't know how to talk about it with their words. You know why people, this is going to hit home for some of y'all, don't have good relationships with your in-laws? That one brought the thunder, right? <laughs> some of y'all know in-laws is tough, right? Jesus, you know that. Why don't you have good relationship with your mother-in-law? Because that word she said to you, it all involves our words. So much of life involves our words. It impacts everything And everyone, it impacts you. Proverbs 18, verse 6 will tell us this. A fool's, I love this verse, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. Who says the Bible's not relevant, right? Written thousands of years ago, but, but how many of you, that's true, right? Some of you literally got punched in the face because of something careless you said. Some of you, you got in a fist fight over contentious words that you spoke. And while that may happen to some of you, literally, it happens to a lot of us figuratively. That the reality is that for many of us, because of the way we use our words, we are butting up against a wall in our jobs, in our relationships. And we just keep running up against this wall and we think, hey, Tim, why don't I get this promotion? 
Why am I not further along in my career? Why am I so lonely? Everybody else seems like they have deep friendships. Where are my friends? And and if you honestly assess the answers to those questions and you looked at your words, we might find, hey, it's because you use your words so harshly. It's because you don't ever speak life and edification into other people. It's because of your newsfeed on Facebook. Come on, somebody. Do you realize that the first thing an employer does when they hire someone is stalk you on Facebook to see how you use your words? I'm an employer. That's what I do, right? And you wonder, why am I not getting promoted? Have you looked at your newsfeed? You looked at the cynicism of your words, the quarrelsome nature of your words? You think about, why can't I get a girlfriend or boyfriend? Have you thought about the way you use words with the opposite sex? Why aren't my wife and I closer? Have you thought about the way you speak words to her or don't speak words to her? This hurts you. This impacts your life. And many of us, we're just walking around life frustrated, sad, disappointed in our job and our relationships. And we have yet to assess our words that are contributing to all those frustrations. We tend to think about it this way in life. We tend to think like, hey, what's going to ruin my life and my job and my relationships and even my faith is like adultery, which it will. Or it's like, robbery or some crime I'm going to commit, some crazy mistake that I'm going to make. But the reality is the book of James, the New Testament Proverbs, James chapter one, it says this, that if you don't get a tight ring on your tongue, your religion is worthless. What ends up bringing your faith down, your life down, your jobs down, your relationships? It may not be the financial scandal or the adultery, but it may be the words that you speak. So words are impactful. They're impactful for you. They're impactful for everyone around you. Proverbs 29 verse 8 says it this way. Scoffers set a city aflame. We see the same thing in the book of James. Again, the New Testament version of Proverbs. It says in James that a word can be like a spark that can set a whole forest ablaze. Words don't just affect you. They affect the community around you, your spouse, your kids, your friends, people in our church. And listen, you don't need me to preach this to you. You don't need Proverbs to teach this to you. Our culture teaches this to you. Elon Musk teaches this to you, right? The other day, the guy tweeted about Bitcoin, just a few words that he typed on a keyboard. And that... Raised the blood pressure of every investor. It plummeted stocks. Just a tweet, just a typing a few words. It's simple. It's profound. The words you speak, the words you type, they affect. It's like a spark that can set a whole forest ablaze. It's like plywood soaked in hand sanitizer. I've heard that that can light up easily. We see this in our culture. We see this in the church, unfortunately, right? How many times do we see churches die? Not because of protesters outside with signs, people attacking the church from the outside, not because of restrictions or policies the government puts on churches. How do churches die? Internally. 
And it's not just one word or, or one yelling match that happens or, hey, hey, I hope this church dies as somebody runs in the doors of the church. Is that how it happens? No, it's the cumulative aggregate effect of complaining words, bitter words, gossipy words, slanderous words of like, hey, why, why does that guy get to get on stage? I mean, I, I, the worship's okay, but it's better at Hillsong. Hey, I mean, that preacher, I mean, he sure thinks he's something, huh? Where do you go to seminary? In your community group. It's just little words. Hey, how come? I just don't, I mean, everybody's kind of fake here, right? I mean, I don't know. Everybody acts like they love Jesus. But this is kind of a fake. Have you ever noticed that? And over time, the aggregate cumulative effect of those kinds of words, it doesn't just bring a person down. It brings a whole community down. Sometimes it kills a church. Do I need to use a handheld mic? I'm willing to rival on you guys. So here, here's the way it works. It's, it's not often just one moment in time. It's several moments built up over time. Remember Proverbs? It's a path. It's a destiny. It's not just one isolated individual word. It's cumulative over the time. Because I know what many of you are thinking. Hey, Tim, like, I don't, I don't like cuss people out with my words. I don't yell at people. And so I'm probably good, right? Like I know people who do that, but I'm not one of those people. But listen, it's over time. It's a spark that sets off into a flame that can burn down the whole forest, right? You're not spraying with a a fire gun blazing everywhere. That's not the reality for most of us. It's over time. It's been that way in my life, personally. I remember we first started the church. It was a hard season, And some things that happened, some of that dissension that I talked about in churches and the complaining, the bitterness, the the quarrelsome, the gossip nature that can sometimes creep into churches. And I remember feeling that and experiencing that a lot. I saw a church die because of it. And in ways I didn't even realize that affected my heart and it affected my words. And so I was just complaining a lot. And I was just cynical a lot. Like, I got my thumb on the way life works and the way church works, and it's just kind of cynical. And the reality is, most of where I spoke those words was at home. Now, you got to know this. At home, I have a wife who speaks very uplifting words. Positive, encouraging, K-love kind of words. And she does listen to K-love. I still married her anyway, right? But that's just, if you know my wife, you're like, "Uh uh-huh, I've talked to Jaya. She just encourages me every time I speak to her. I remember I had a friend in college who was not funny, but every time my wife said something, or every time he said something, my wife laughed. And he wasn't funny, but he felt like he was funny because my wife is so encouraging with her words. And so this is the woman I married. And yet I was in the season with a lot of cynicism, criticism, complaining with my words while I was at home. And so over time, that began to build up in my wife so much that I remember one night, I just, I, I, I wanted to give her some space and just say, hey, baby, you take some time by yourself, read coffee, whatever you want to do. I'm going to take the kids to a movie. And we went to see a movie called Trolls. And if you've ever seen this movie, it's very theological, um, very deep. But we're watching that scene, if you've seen the movie, where they sing the song, True Colors, Justin Timberlake, right? True Colors. 
And there's that moment where Poppy, the main character, who's the positive, encouraging, she's speaking life into everybody. There's that moment where the complaining and the cynicism of everybody else, it begins to affect her. It's over time, and her light goes out. Do you remember this moment? I bawled my eyes out because I thought, that's what I've done to my wife. I've turned out her light. I've taken this woman of God who's positive, encouraging, uplifting with her words, and just cynicism, complaint after complaint, just little deposits over time. And now she's discouraged. She's starting to be cynical. And that was another time where I had to use my words to apologize to my wife. Your words, the aggregate, cumulative effect of your words make an impact on the people closest to you, your friends, your family, your church. How are you using them? Proverbs affect you. Proverbs affect us. And the reality is, Proverbs says there's death and there's life. The opposite of death can be true as well. Like, this is how powerful words are. It's like, I can bring my wife down, someone who's positive with her words. I, you can bring a church down, a church that's meant to speak life into the community, into the city, into the nations with its words. And you can bring that down to death. But the opposite is also true. The aggregate, cumulative effects. Some of you think, well, Tim, if I start speaking encouraging words, what, what's that going to change in our world? We've got a lot of problems in our world. Now, the aggregate cumulative effect of words, it can speak life. It can plant a church to reach people with the gospel, amen? It can uplift a person, and you know people like this. Somebody, you could have a hard day, but you get a text with words from that person, and it changes things. You could be having a hard season, but that person comes into town, and you spend some time with them, and it changes things, right? Words can bring life. Just little words. Yeah, should I text the person this encouraging comment? Like, should I tell them what, what, how much I love them? Should I tell them how much I, I like them? Should I? Yes. I've said this before, but as a dad of three kids, every night before I put my kids to bed, I speak three things over them. I tell them I love them, I like them, and I'm proud of them. I tell them I love them because I do, and God loves them, and I want them to know his love for them. But I also tell them I like them because I'm not required to like them. Sometimes I don't like them. You can love somebody but not like them. But I want my kids to know I don't just love you because I'm supposed to, and I'm a pastor, and I'm a father, and biblically, that's my mandate. No, I like you. And then I tell them I'm proud of them. And no matter what else happened during that day, you should see my kids' faces light up because words like that, cumulative, aggregate, little words can bring life. That's what can happen. That's the power that you have. Do you, do you know that? Do you see the power that you have to bring death or life with our words? Here's what we all need to know is that there's a battle there. Do you feel it? Every day there's a battle. Am I going to speak life or am I going to speak death? Those moments where you do think, should I compliment this person or will that give them a big head? And you say nothing. Anybody with me? Hey, should I go out on a limb and tell this person something kind? But what if they get weird about it and you say nothing? 
Hey, should I speak this? You have this bent up anger all week and you have all these like blanket statements from your marriage. You never do this. You always do this. And you're just like loading them like bullets in a gun. You're like, just get ready. And you feel the battle. Should I say that or should I not? And the reality is there is a battle for your words. Death versus life every single day. You look at our culture. I was thinking about it this way. Do you know how many shows have been canceled over the years? And yet, TMZ is still blowing and going, right? Think about it this way. As much as our culture has gone digital, like everything's on our phone, news is on our phone, guess where magazines still live? On paper, in the checkout line at the register gossiping, slandering, and not just doing that, but celebrating that. Are you in a battle with your words? Are there two different paths? Is Proverbs right? Hey, we live in a culture that will tell you, you celebrate gossip, you celebrate hurt. I mean, I think about it when we were just little kids. My son came to me the other day and said, hey, I got this great joke. I said, okay, bud, let me hear it. He said, your mama's so old. (laughs) that she was sitting with Moses in the third grade. That's pretty good, huh? I, don't, don't you remember that? We, we elevate hurtful, slanderous, gossipy words. We have magazines that are still selling because of that. So you're in a battle. And so what does it look like to walk down a path of wisdom with our words? We're just going to end with a, a few practical things. Again, if you take notes, these are good things to write down. I'm going to give you three questions. How do we speak life? How do we walk down a wisdom path with our words? Here's the first question. As we consider and approach speaking words, we need to ask, is it true? Just simply, is this true? Proverbs 14:25 says it this way. A truthful witness saves lives but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. I thought it was interesting as I looked over the whole of Proverbs. Proverbs, if you don't know, has about 110 references to speech and to words. We're just covering a few. But in all these references to speech and words, one of the sharpest rebukes in all of Proverbs is about lying. Proverbs 12 says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. So as we speak words, we need to think about, are these words True. A true friend tells you the truth. Why? A true friend will tell you the truth. Why is that? Because when somebody else tells you the truth, it gives you the ability to deal with reality. It gives you the ability to to deal with the way things actually are. We don't need people to lie to us or flatter us. That's artificial. That's not true. So someone who's a good friend... A true friend will tell you the truth. My wife does this for me all the time. We have one service for the summer. We normally have two services. Every Sunday between two services, a little behind the scenes for you, I will go to my wife and say, babe, what'd you think? Anything to add? Anything to change? Anything to remove? And sometimes she will give me stuff about my actual sermon. Several Sundays ago, she gave me stuff about my attire. (laughs) And she said, like she didn't even really, li- I was like, anything to add, anything to change this, this verse, this, this illustration, would you, and she was just like, mm-hmm. um, you need to do something about that shirt. <laughs> She's like, you need to tuck that shirt in. It's too tight on you. Rough season for me. Okay. I don't want to talk about it. 
Um, and it was like flaring out. It was. I, I watched the first video. It was like flaring out like this because I didn't have it tucked in. And so I, I tucked my shirt in before second service. Amen. Because right? my wife told me to because she spoke the truth to me. Now, would it have been loving for my wife to say, like, in that moment, like, baby, your sermon was perfect. You were perfect. You look great. Bye. I'll see you later. Is that loving? No, everybody in second service had to be exposed to my flaring out shirt as well. I needed her to speak the truth. A true friend will speak the truth. We, we get distorted on this all the time, specifically in the church, right? Like, the Bible's clear, like Matthew 18, Galatians 6.1, just two examples you can look up later. The Bible's clear, speak the truth. Confront people, Galatians 6 will say, confront people in their transgression. Matthew 18, many of you know it as like a church discipline passage and, and going to somebody who's caught in sin and, and confronting them about it. The Bible is clear. Jesus is clear. We should speak the truth. How many times did Jesus say, woe to you? Read Matthew 23. Woe, woe. It's called the woes. How many times? Jesus calls the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. Well, that's not the Jesus that I like. I like the Jesus who brings all the little kids around him and speaks gently. Jesus spoke the truth. We have to ask is it true? We need to speak the truth. Think about it this way. Who in your life are you withholding truth from? And then think about why. So here's what I know. Many times we'll withhold truth from people because we'll say and we'll posture it as, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to disrupt them. I don't want to be mean to them. Here's the reality. It's not about a love for them. It's about a love for you. You don't speak truth to that other person because you're worried about how they will perceive you if you say that. Anybody? You're worried about this will be, hey, you should say something. Like, that guy's doing this. This girl's doing this. They're just hurting. You should speak the truth to them. And like, ah, that could be awkward. <laughs> and the reality is many times we don't speak the truth to other people, not out of love for them, but love for ourselves. Are you thinking through is this true? And are you speaking truth? The second question we need to ask is, is it time? I love this. Proverbs 27, 14 says it this way. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. <laughs> Isn't that a great verse? Again, Proverbs is real to life, relevant to our lives. A blessing, like a word of blessing, can become a curse if you choose the wrong time to speak it. For some of y'all, that's literally in the morning. People say all these things to you more. They're just like, I need my coffee back up. And they're good things, but it's the wrong time. I, in my marriage, if my wife asked me, hey, please take out the trash, and I respond to her, I love you. Is that true? Yeah, it's the wrong time. <laughs> What's the correct response in that moment? Babe, please take out the trash. Honey, yes, I will. Now, do I love her? Yeah, but that's not the right time for that. Uh, we see in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 20, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. I've seen this so many times at funerals. And there's these typically hyper-spiritual people who come along, and the person that is grieving, they try to give advice instead of mourning with those who mourn. 
hey, God's gonna use all this. He works all things together for good. At the funeral, is that true? Yeah. Is that the right time? No. Sometimes in those moments, the right thing to do is not say anything. Just to go with them with a ministry of presence. Just say, hey, I'm here for you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what that's like, but I'm sorry, and I'm here. Anything you need. Oftentimes, the right time is not the first time you think something. (laughs) Just a general rule for you. James 1 will tell us, be quick to listen, slow to speak. We could do a whole sermon on that, right? Just listening. Sometimes the right time is just to listen and not say anything at all. Men, sometimes when your wife is talking about things she's struggling with and you just want to problem solve with your words, sometimes you just need to be quiet and listen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So it's true. Sometimes you just need to listen. And here's a tip. We could do a whole sermon on this. Listen for understanding, not just responding. How many times are you listening to somebody, even if they're struggling, and you're loading up those bullets in the gun, just like, I can't wait. I have this one-line zinger. It's going to be amazing. As soon as you get through talking, please, are you done? Okay. Be quick to listen. Sometimes the right time is don't say anything. Listen for understanding, not just for responding. Is it true? Is it at the right time? And is it tender? Some of you heard earlier, like, speak the truth. Yes. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Oh, Jesus spoke the truth. I'm going to speak the truth. I can be Christ-like by just speaking the truth over everybody, raining it down. Come on, Tim. I love this sermon. And you're writing down names. <laughs> and you're writing down things people did. And you're like, you're annoying. You're dumb. That's not the path of wisdom with your words, right? No, the path of wisdom with your words is, is it true? Is it time? Is it tender? Ephesians 4, speak the truth. How do you do it? How do you do it? In love. Jesus came full of grace and truth, right? We see in Proverbs chapter 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Those passages that I mentioned, Galatians 6, Matthew 18, about confronting somebody in a transgression. Here's the part I didn't tell you earlier. Each one of those says, yeah, you should confront. If you love somebody, you will speak the truth to them. But they both, Galatians 6, Matthew 18, say, you do it gently. You do it gently. And many times we just go to an extreme, especially in church world. We're like, that person is stuck in a sin. It's going to destroy their marriage. It's going to destroy their life. Like that's what scripture says, that, that sin leads to destruction. And I see it. I see them on that path. They're heading towards destruction in their marriage. Or we see somebody who's hurting and you just tell, you walk by them in the office, you see them at church on Sunday and they just seem cast down in their soul all the time. They are grieving the loss of somebody. This year and a half of pandemic has changed them. Their disposition is different and you can tell they're hurting or they're sinning in a way that would lead to destruction. And many times as church people, we say, "Ah, I don't know if I should say anything. Or we bust through the doors with a Bible and beat them over the head with it. Neither one is the path of wisdom. Neither one is the way of Jesus. How do we do it? Matthew 18, Galatians 6. We confront. You speak the truth. But you do it in love. You do it gently. 
You don't choose one or the other. You do both. Jesus came full of grace and truth. I love that. Full of grace and full of truth. You can do both. That's what scripture says. It's not don't say anything or beat them over the head with a Bible. Speak the truth, but do it gently. That's what we're called to do. Here's the last thing, and this is really just the closing point. Words may be outward, but their roots run deep. Proverbs 16, 23 says this. The heart of the wise instructs the mouth. Jesus, Luke 6, says it this way. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's the reality, and you need to know this specifically if you're new to our church. This is kind of a practical sermon about what you do, and I gave you these tips of is it true, and is it time, and is it tender, and I hope you took notes. Like, I hope that's helpful for you practically. But here's the reality. This sermon is not just to try to get you to cuss a little less. It's not. It's not just to try to get you to not be a jerk to your spouse. It's not trying to get you just to be a little bit nicer. It's to try to get you to examine your heart. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing. They're always connected in Scripture. So the reality is many of you are not speaking words of life. Many of you are speaking words of death, and it has nothing to do with that other person or that circumstance. It has everything to do with the condition of your own heart. And you've never stopped to examine the roots of your words, and they run deep. So for many of you, you're speaking harsh words, gossipy words, slanderous words, and it's all related to this insecurity somewhere in your heart. And you think, I need to climb the ladder. I need to one-up that person, be more popular. And so I'm going to say this to take them down a notch. And that has nothing to do with the circumstance of the other person, but everything to do with the condition of your own heart. For some of you, there's some anger that's been built up inside your heart. And so when your kids ask for the ice cream and you yell at them, and ice cream is a good thing, amen? No need to yell. Why'd you yell? Something going on at work that day, something in your heart that you can't get out. So many of you, here's the goal of the message today, to examine your heart to examine not just your words, but your heart. And see, God, are there any offensive ways in me that are coming out of me? Where is that related to? Where can I trace that back to? And listen, you may need God's word to affect your words and heart. You may need the community of God's people to say, hey, have I offended you? Do you notice harsh words with me? How can I encourage people better? You may need some other people to do that with you, to look at your heart, to lay it out there and say, how can I change this? That's the goal of today, to look at your heart. I'm going on sabbatical, um, so I'm going to go on a few minutes. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to preach to you for three months. And people ask me, um, people ask me, like, are you worried about not preaching to the church for, for three months? And like, Honestly, I'm, I'm a little, sure, yeah. Maybe worried for me. I, I did, this is what I do every Sunday, and so I don't know how to not do it. So my kids are going to get a sermon every Sunday, I guess. Right? Here's what I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about you not hearing my words. I'm concerned deeply about you clinging to the words of Jesus. I, I'm, 
I'm burdened and praying for you to, to take Jesus at his word. The New Testament will tell us Jesus is the word who became flesh. And I believe for many of us, the reason we use our words harshly or for death, or we don't use them at all to bring life, the reason that is, is because we are believing the lies spoken over us in words from ourselves, from the enemy every day, and we're not clinging to the word who became flesh. We're not taking Jesus at his word, but we will take that loudest voice in your life and you know who this is. Maybe it's on social media. Maybe it's in your own heart and maybe it's the lies of the enemy and we will take those words and we'll cling to them every day. They are being spoken over you every single day and we'll listen to them and we'll cling to them and we'll live off of them. How many times have you said something because of something that was said to you? So my hope is that that's happening every day. Will you intentionally cling to the words of Jesus? Will you take him at his word? Don't doubt his word. Trust his word. Cling to his word. What it says about him, what it says about our world, what it says about you. And allow that to inform and affect the words you speak to other people. That's what, that's what I would love to hear about when I come back. Tim, where you would not believe the, the life that has been spoken in our community, but also through our community to our city. And you got to meet this person. You got to hear about this story of somebody's life changed for eternity because of words that were spoken, because this was a community that clinged to the word of Jesus. So that's what I'm concerned with. That's what I'm burdened for. That's what I'm excited to hear stories about when I come back. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that we would cling to it this morning. God, I pray that we would, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, we would rebuke the words of Satan, his works, his words, that are speak, spoken over us every day. In the name of Jesus, God, I just, I know there's so many people watching this, experiencing this, who just are believing so many words that are filled with lies about who they are, who you are. And it's prevented them from taking you at your word. So God, I just rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus and his words. God, I pray that we would intentionally cling to your words. God, that we would saturate our minds and hearts with your words and that we would speak words of life as a result. We pray that in the name and for the fame of Jesus. Amen.